Welcome back, pool fans, to this week's edition of American Billiard Radio. Today is May 22nd, 2014. My name is Mr. Bond, and it is my privilege to be your host for yet another great episode. It's a busy week, or excuse me, it's a busy weekend we have coming up in uh, the pool world. From coast to coast, as a matter of fact. If you're out on the East Coast, you might look into the United States Snooker Association. They're having their championship over in Brooklyn. And, uh, you know, there's also the Ginky Memorial is also going on in New York City. So a couple of great things that you could either go participate or spectate, as the case may be. And as a reminder, you know, uh, in New York City, they've got their 8-Ball Championship coming up here pretty soon. If you want to check into that, contact Tony Robles. Anyway, if you're out on the West Coast, by golly, you're in an exciting place to be as well. Because it just so happens that in San Diego, tomorrow and all weekend long, we will get to see the first public appearance of our new Team USA Moscone Cup candidacy in the house. They're going to be out uh, swinging through the trees with the Navy SEALs. Going to visit some of the um, veterans out there. They're going to do a um, challenge match. Going to do some instructionals. It's going to be an exciting, exciting weekend out there in San Diego. As a matter of fact, I should let you know that May is Military Appreciation Month, appropriately enough. So if you know somebody in the service or someone who has served, be sure and give them a pat on the back, shake their hand, and thank them for what they have done for their country. United States is one of the best countries, if not the best country in the world, and we appreciate them supporting us, and we should support them back. We have a great show. We're going to get to hear from Hall of Famer Jean Balukas. She doesn't know how cool she is. I'm just here to tell you. We're going to get to hear from Dr. Don Wardell, co-captain of Team USA. We're going to hear from Oscar Dominguez, one of the candidates for Team USA. He's going to talk about some interesting stuff with us. So stick around and turn it up, rack up a game. It's time for some more American Billiard Radio. Today, the Moscone Cup Trophy is being held hostage somewhere in London. The Cup is surrounded, heavily defended, and supported by rabid European pool fans. And it will be guarded by some of the finest European pool players that can be assembled. But on December the 1st, 2014, Team USA will assault Blackpool, England, rescue it, and deliver our national treasure home again. Former Moscone Cup player Mark Wilson has been named captain of Team USA for this year's prestigious event, which airs on television around the world. 
tasked with building Team USA and with generous support from Matchroom Sports and PartyPoker.net, he is committed to building a new attitude and a much younger team. To accomplish this mission, our team of highly skilled players are both resolute and unified. We are brothers who can be counted on during adversity and stress, who support each other through a strong work ethic and discipline. At all times, we respect each other, the billiards community, and most important, the sport. This is not about money and not really about patriotism. Rather, this is about the future of the sport and developing a core of players with an elite level of professionalism and skill. The plan, it's not secret. We're going to work harder, much harder. The core values of our team are an unwaving adherence to honor, integrity, and respect. What makes us an effective team is discipline and work ethic, along with the commitment of those core values. We are responsible and accountable and will no longer accept excuses. Our reputation begins today. Team USA is planning to win, preparing to win, paying the price to win, expecting to win, and positively deserving to win. Team USA, the future of pool, united for success. Scott Lee. I'm Randy G. And welcome to the One Minute Pool Instructor. This week uh, we're going to talk about something we call in pool school the fatal flop. Tell us about that, Randy. <laughs> the fatal flop. That's easy. That has to do with aiming. And I'm not talking about aiming systems here, Scott. I'm talking about what every aiming system requires us to do. What are those things? Well, the, the first thing we have to do is we have to identify the shot we're going to shoot through whatever system we use, ghost ball or whatever system we're using, we have to identify what we're going to do. Then the second is we have to stand behind the shot, behind the cue ball, and visualize not only the object ball going in the pocket, but the cue ball's travel route to a resting place. Doesn't that work better for us when we start away from the table? Yeah, and, and more or less step into it. You bet. Uh, um, it's, it's where we change from from our analytical checklist down into our visualization checklist down into uh, finally we'll do our execute our shooting checklist. Absolutely. So there's your three pre-shot routines and I, and I think the fatal flop is in the second or the visualization uh, of our aiming. So if, if the second part is to stand behind a cue ball and visualize then the third part is is walking into the shot and putting your bridge hand down in line with the shot. And a lot of times that looks different, doesn't it? Well, it certainly does. And of course, there are different bodies out there playing pool too. And different speeds of bodies. So the same principle is going to uh, be for, for everybody, regardless of how they look. As we go down to put our bridge hand on the table, 
there's an area in there called midpoint aiming. So if we can visualize this, stand behind the shot. When we step into the shot and start to put our bridge hand down, someplace before the bridge hand gets down, we would like to verify that aiming process one more time. Because we're moving a, a big body around a small stick here. And, right. some, and sometimes when we drop into our shooting stance, it looks different enough that we might do a little head bob. Stand up a little more just to see that up, upright perspective and then drop back into our shooting oh, stance I, and I, execute. Thousands of players do a little head bob. I, I find that okay. In my game, if I head bob more than once, I have to stand up. That's what I've got built in and start over because this is my brain telling me you know red light there absolutely all right so then the fatal flop is is generally the action where from the standing to the shooting we don't aim in that midpoint aiming process we go from standing to shooting and the overlap of the balls look completely different that's where a guy and i know you and i have never done this before Scott, but that's where you say to yourself, boy, that doesn't look right, or that ball looks like it's too full. Well, we aimed it properly on top, but when we bend over, that's a completely different look at the ball. So midpoint aiming is the opposite of fatal flop. There you go. Take your midpoint, don't fatal flop. And don't shoot when you're not ready. Oh, yeah. Well, that's been our one-minute pool instructor tip for this week. I'm Scott Lee. And I'm Randy G. And join us again for next week's next week's one minute pool instructor. Hello everybody, welcome to another edition of AZ Billiards on American Billiard Radio. I'm Mike Howerton. I'm joined by one of the one of the top up and coming players out on the West Coast. Everybody knows him, Oscar Dominguez. How you doing, Oscar? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Um you've got a big trip coming up here, don't you? Uh yes I do. Um, you've got a trip coming up to China, and then you've got a trip coming up to San Diego. Which comes first? Uh, San Diego, at least tomorrow. Fantastic. The news just came out this week about this trip to San Diego. Can you tell everybody a little bit about it? Um, yeah, I actually just got the itinerary now. Uh, about half an hour ago on my email, uh, basically what we're going to do is have like a team meeting and... Uh, I guess just get everybody together all under one roof and we'll discuss Mark's plan of action for the rest of the year. Um, besides that, we're going to meet with uh, the Navy SEALs and we're going to do some charity work at, I believe, a hospital, if I'm not mistaken. And we're going to do like an exhibition for two days on Saturday and Sunday over at on Billiards in La Mesa, California. And then for anyone who hasn't already figured out when when you're talking about the team you're talking about the eight prospective Moscone Cup players I don't want to get too deeply into you know prospective Moscone Cup players you know that I think uh, I think Mark Cantrell did a nice job of that a couple of weeks ago so really I wanted to touch on on this trip um, you say that you're doing some some exhibitions for the Navy SEALs? 
No, actually, we're gonna we're actually gonna go see the Navy SEALs in training, which is kind of like a behind the scenes uh, thing on the Navy SEALs. I think the the objective of Mark Wilson is to have us kind of understand the concept of teamwork and you know the, the dedication and the training involved. He's trying to turn. I believe, you know, I'm sure this is his logic is to kind of open our eyes to not just hitting balls for 10, 15 minutes a day. He wants us to train like athletes. And uh, I I think it's something good. It's going to be a good experience. Even uh, if we can take a little something from that, uh, it'd be good, good to incorporate it in our lives, not just in bull. Well, in all reality, for a player to keep up the level of play that somebody has to have in order to to go and play in the China Open. I mean, for someone to play as well as you do and to keep that level consistently, how much time do you realistically put into practicing each day? Um, right now, I've actually been practicing quite a bit um, because my dad's been like out of town working. So he didn't take me with him for like the past three weeks. I've been practicing like six to eight hours a day. So I'm, I'm, I'm hitting them good. Um, but usually when on a day-to-day normal lifestyle. My dad's in town and I'm working with him. I'll practice still two hours a day, three hours a day because I come home at midnight, one o'clock in the morning from work and I still go out hit balls till three in the morning. Because <laughs> I have a table, I have a few tables at home, so I'm, I'm in a little bit different situation than most. You know, out of curiosity, when I think back to being at tournaments that you were at, um, when you're not playing a match, but you're still in the tournament. And sometimes I even think after you've been eliminated from the tournament, I see you out there on the practice floor, and you're you're practicing something that I'm not familiar with. Uh, let me know when when describing this tells you what it is that I'm asking about. But you, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about that? I play a Taiwanese carom. It's uh it's four ball. It's it's a very popular game in China and obviously Taiwan. Um, basically, it's you play with uh, two reds and a yellow. So it could be the eleven ball and the three ball, and the one ball or the nine ball, or vice versa, the one nine and the red three. As long as you have two of the same color and one opposite, um, and the cue ball. So the object is to hit opposite colors. So we'll say you have two yellows and a red. So you, the first shot is either red-yellow or yellow-red in a straight rail carom. The second shot is yellow-yellow, which is the same color balls. And the final shot is what they call a money shot, which means you have to hit all three balls in one stroke. So it's kind of, it's a hybrid of straight rail billiards and Korean billiards. It's And every time you pocket the ball, it spots up. It's it's a carom game. It's actually a lot of fun. and uh, It helps me out, you know, just to kind of get more finesse in my game. I control the draw speed and learn the caroms and kisses. And it's it's a fun game. I learned it from the Taiwanese and the, the Japanese. My Japanese friend actually taught it to me, and uh, I fell in love with the game immediately because uh, I'm a big three-cushion player. I love three-cushion. I've I've never seen anyone else playing that particular game before, and it's it's interesting to sit in the stands and watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's only a few other players that I've seen actually practice it. One of them's actually Alex Bagalian. 
he is very good. We've practiced before, and he ran like four straight points on me. And to score a point, you have to do the entire sequence, which means four money shots in a row. Because you don't get any points if you hit the opposite colors and the same colors. You only get a point if you make the, the last shot, the final stroke shot, where you hit all three balls. And Alex made four points in a row on me, and that's like very impressive. It's an odd game. Not too many people play it. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Um, so you're doing the San Diego trip. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't think Mark's going to get you out there working out with the SEALs, do you? I hope not. <laughs> I don't want to be embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, Tom, you never, you never signed on for that. Um, and then you get back, and you're back for how long before heading off to China? I'm actually only back home for two days. I leave to China on the 28th, a little early. you have exhibitions lined up, or, or what's the... Um, actually, uh, one of my best friends from Los Angeles, Greg Harada, he's, uh, he actually just won the APA uh, nine-ball division last couple of weeks ago in Las Vegas. And uh, he's going to go and try and qualify for the stage one through stage one into the main event. So I'm going to go with him kind of early, and he's going to be practicing, trying to qualify, and I'm going to be trying to get into action as usual. Um, there's a lot of competition out there. I play a lot of Vietnamese players mainly and uh, Chinese players. And um, I actually play with quite a few people, so I have my usual guys that I play with. Um, four or five years ago, I think it was a trip to the Philippines. I remember that you know, you were there at the same time. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget a comment that I overheard at dinner one night. Um, I think it was Nils had commented that there are players over in the Philippines that play pro speed and you don't even recognize them just because the the talent is that strong out there. So it's not like, I mean, you can walk into any pool room in the States, and if somebody walks up to you and says, hey, you want to hit some? If you don't recognize them right away, you know you're the favorite in that match. But what Nils was saying is, you don't know that in the Philippines. Is it like that over in Asia, in China? You know what? It's worse. China (laughs) is worse. I mean, I didn't believe it. Uh, I remember, uh, excuse me, a quick story I have in the Philippines is, they said, Oscar, how you want? I just beaten one of the top young players. I beat him at like six hundred dollars. So it wasn't a huge bet. He said, How do you want to play this guy? I'm like, You know what? I'll play him the same way this guy played me. And he gave me one game on the wire, and they jumped out of their chairs to play me. They were ecstatic, and I told my dad, I'm like, Oh God, who the hell am I playing? Because <laughs> they said, How much can we bet? I mean, they're begging me to bet three, four thousand dollars. I said, no, I bet, you know, like maybe 1200 I bet, I think it was. And this guy turns out, beat Bustamani getting the nine ball playing ten ball. I mean, robbed him. He plays Bustamani speed. And I'm like, great. Nice to know this after the fact. But I ended up playing over my head, and I ran like four racks, five racks on him, and I ended up playing pretty much a perfect set on him. But the point is, is that I had no idea who this guy was. Uh, if he would have come into the pool and he asked me for the eight ball playing nine ball, I would have given it to him just to try him. You know what I mean? I would have been robbed <laughs> just because I didn't know who he was. I'd never seen him before. And in China, there's so many young players. I'm talking like 16, 17 years old who play Wang Kong speed or better. 
and it's scary because they're trained like animals. Uh, I think two times a week they work on nothing but jump shots. Wow. And, I mean, it is sick. Um, I mean, if you look at the coaches, it ex- it gives you self-explanatory. The coaches are Fang Peng Chao, uh, Qin Shun Yang, Chang Jun Lin. They're all coaching the young kids. I mean, how aren't you going to learn? <laughs> right. It's, it, it's really phenomenal how many good, good, talented players there are out there. And uh, luckily, I go out there and I know exactly who, for the most part, I know all the young guns out there because I stay for so long. Um, but it's still, there's tons of players out there who play, who can win a U.S. Open. I mean, that's how good they play. I want to say that same trip to the Philippines, I remember talking to you in the airport, and you made a comment, another comment that I'll always remember. You said uh, you said that you had gambled some after you had gotten knocked out of the tournament that you were over there for. And I remember asking you how you did, and you said you lost every dime you had taken with you to gamble with. And you were so, you were so gung ho after the trip, you wanted to go back and do it again. Yes, I lost seventy two hundred the first time I ever went to the Philippines. I was like my whole band girl. I knew that I was going to the Philippines. I had saved so much. I'd always been saving, 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 and I was like, I got embarrassed. I mean, really, it was a humbling experience. I just getting absolutely robbed. If I played Carlo Beato, first guy I lined off the plane, first day in the Philippines, I didn't know who he was. And I went hill hill with him. And I said, you know what, we'll raise the bet and start over. Because I'm like, I told my dad, dad, this guy can't beat me. He doesn't know how to play position. And at the time, I'll be honest with you, at the time, he doesn't, he didn't know how to play position. He was just the purest shot maker I'd ever seen. I said, dad, this guy can't do this forever. Needless to say, it never stopped. (laughs) And I ended up losing the second set. I ended up making a great comeback when he had me race at 18, 17 to 2. He had run nine racks on me. And I make it 17, 16, and the ball skid on me, the eight ball skid on me to make it hill, hill. So I, I at least showed some heart, you know what I mean? But I played Jundel Mozone. I played uh, a guy named uh, Joan Chua. I played a couple other players out there. They gave me the eight ball playing 10 ball and absolutely heisted me. And it just didn't miss. (laughs) And uh, I mean, I've gone back recently and I beat a lot of the guys who beat me out of the money. So I've recovered some of it back. Now you had said that you, you thought you had learned so much gambling over there. That's why you wanted to immediately reload and, and go back. Yeah. I mean, they play position completely different, Mike. I mean, it's, I honestly, when I first saw him playing, like, these guys don't know how to play pool. I was, I couldn't be further away from the truth. I was the one who didn't know how to play pool. They utilize all six pockets so well. Their position play is, uh, it's unique. It's a little bit different from the Americans. And, uh, like I said, they utilize all six pockets so effectively. And I've always played position for the corner pockets. I always learned to stay away from the sides. And they use they're not afraid of shooting into any pocket. They play the angles that they have, a lot of natural angles, and they kind of just uh, changed my whole perception of the game. And I came back two balls better from there. Absolutely. Well, maybe Mark should send you all over to the Philippines. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad idea at all. 
Um, do you have any idea how many of the prospective Moscone Cup players are going to China? That's a good question. Um, I know Jeremy's going to China. Shane, obviously. Corey, I just got off the phone with Corey not so long ago. Myself. So that's four. I know Hunter's going, but no, I guess just four of us. John's not going. Justin. Yeah, just four. You know, there was a time uh, three, four years ago where it seemed like it was just Shane and Hunter that was going to out-of-country events. And I understand the economy had a lot to do with that, but do you see a resurgence in U.S. players wanting to get out there and test themselves on foreign soil? Honestly, no. No? No. Honestly, no. I'm not going to lie. Um, I don't think so. It's difficult to go out there, Mike, because I was, it was actually us three. We were the ones who were out there internationally a lot. Um, Hunter, Shane, and myself were like three of the few ones that were always going out there. And I don't blame them because to go fly 17 hours, 18 hours, and play nine ball with a magic rack and a corner ball flying in 100 miles an hour with guys who never miss, <laughs> it's difficult to, <laughs> it's difficult to, if you get like two, three bad rolls, that's it. The match is over and the pockets are big and nobody misses and everyone's so talented is it's a lot of luck to win. And, um, it's expensive to travel. Luckily I have a pool table business and I, you know, I bankroll myself to these tournaments and, um, it's, and also, you know, now I got meds to help me out a little bit and uh, West state billiard supply. But for the most part, I've always, put myself into everything and I don't see that desire from most players besides the guys you mentioned, Shane, Hunter, myself, and maybe a few others here and there. It's just, it's not economically a good bet. Well, as a great seg here, it almost seems like we should have more tours in the U.S., I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a little break real quick, and then we'll let everybody in on what we were sagging to there. Uh, we'll be right back, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. I'm talking to Oscar Dominguez this week. We did a an ugly seg there before the break, talking about uh, tours, and you mentioned Mez. I understand you've got something uh, you're working on. Can you let everybody in on it? Yeah, we're um, starting up. Uh, my girlfriend and I have been working. Well, actually, my girlfriend's the one who came up with the concept. She's, you know, we, there's, she had never been. She's from the East Coast, obviously, and. Um, when she moved out here, she saw how many good players there are. She's like, boy, you guys get tons of players here for like a cruddy tournament, $500 added tournament. I'm like, yeah, this is a hard times tournament. You know, it's like, it's like the who's who of players coming. I mean, Mika was there, Rodney Morris, uh, Louis Ulrich. I mean, just tons of great players. And she was shocked. And I said, yeah, she's like, well, what other tournaments are there? I'm like, really none. She's like, well, why don't we start a tour or something? So I ran the idea past uh, Mez Q's owner, Kaz, about starting up a Mez West Coast tour, and he jumped all over it. So 
that's what we're working on. And we're finalizing a lot of the details and uh, it's looking really good. Are you hoping to have events still this year or are you going to kick it all off next year? Um, we're actually shooting for mid-August. That's going to be our opening uh, season opener. And uh, it's going to go through probably March of next year. Any idea how many tournaments you're hoping to have during that time? Yes, we're gunning for minimum 10 tournaments. Wow. Um, what type of added money are you looking at for each one? Um, right now, we're shooting for a minimum of 1500 added each stop. And what we're going to do is actually something a little unique. Um, we're going to have a $25 membership fee. However, that's not going into our pockets. That's actually going to be all recorded and documented on our Facebook page, which we're in the development, and the website, which is also under development. And everyone's going to have their name there of every single member who paid this $25 membership fee. And all that money gets saved up for a top 16 points earners tournament. We're going to call it the Top Gun Tournament. So that way, you know, a lot of tours have like the top points or gets X amount of dollars or uh, all expense paid to one tournament. But we figured why only benefit one person? Why can't we benefit all 16 players, like the top 16 points earners? And we're probably, say we get 100 members throughout the year, which is a low number, I believe, to go up and down the West Coast. Uh, it's a $2,500 no-entry fee free roll that we can have. And we're going to have added money to that event as well. So we're trying to pump it up to about 5000 added no-entry fee tournament. And it would be limited to 16 players? Correct. Kind of like a reward for following the tour and making the sacrifice. Very interesting. Uh, what kind of response are you getting from the rooms out there? Um. I mean, it was pretty amazing, actually, because honestly, through my pool table business, I have all, I know all the pool room owners. So as soon as I called them, they knew that my that my family was involved, my dad and myself and my girlfriend, they jumped on board immediately because they know our reputation and they know how we work. You know, they know that we're not how to take advantage of anybody. And they said, whatever you need. I mean, immediately, like Hearts and Sacramento jumped on board with them within two minutes and it was pretty pretty phenomenal how how quickly they jumped on board now is this something that you're looking to just do in california or is this a real west coast thing um we're actually going to do real west coasting right now um it's going to be probably eight events in california probably four in southern california four in northern part and one in vegas followed by one in the Phoenix area, in the Arizona area. That's our game plan right now. But depending on the response that we get from the pool room owners, which I have not contacted those gentlemen yet, um, then we'll modify it as, as we can accordingly. And your tournament director, are you going to run the tournaments, or do you have somebody else who's going to do that? Um, my girlfriend actually has uh, experience running tournaments. So she's going to run it for the most part. I'm actually going to help her. My dad's going to help her. Um, and another one of my best friends, Raw Hannah, he's a good friend of mine for many years. I've known him since I was a kid. He's also run tournaments locally here in the LA area. He's going to be on board too, helping us out. Now, let's say you have 10 tournaments and there's eight in California and two outside of California. Do you plan on... 
attending and having your girlfriend run each one, including the ones out of state, or are you looking for people to run those tournaments outside of California? For the most part, we're going to be at every single stop. I don't, I do not in the, I don't see any reason why we we won't. We don't mind traveling. So it's, and also the thing is, is that we're not, we're doing it because we really want something to happen. You know, I've, I've been complaining to myself for years about how there's nothing, how the West Coast is dead and there's nothing going on. And I said, you know, if I'm going to sit around and wait for somebody else to do it, then it's never going to happen. And if they do run it, it's not going to be to my liking. <laughs> you know, I'm going to say, oh, they took all the money out or there's so many hidden fees. So at the end, I'm never going to be happy. I mean, I might not voice my opinion, but that's the way I feel. So why not do it myself? And, you know, I'm not looking to make money at it, really. I'm just trying to, if I can break even off the expenses, I'm happy as can be and go to the tournament. I get to stay active and play pool. What else can I ask for? Now you talk about hidden fees and and tours pocketing the money. Um, let's say a room wants to run a $1,500 added event, and, and this kind of gets into the the details of running a tour that, that might bore some people, but if a room owner wants to hold a $1,500 added event, let's not name names, but there are some tours out there where it's going to cost them considerably more than $1,500. Absolutely. And I think that's why I've gotten the response I've gotten because I'm not coming in there with empty, empty hands. I'm like, here, um, pool room XYZ, I need $2,200 to run this tournament, 700 for me and 1500 for the price fund. It's nothing like that. I'm actually going in with sponsorship products and sponsorship money and credit that I've used all my contacts that I have and I'm calling them and I said, look, if you're interested in this, this is what I can do for you and try to get live streaming in. And I'm really trying to help out the businesses and they're all on board. Um, West State Billy Supply is helping me out. Zan Tips from Japan. Um, obviously, Mez Q's. Focus Apparel is another sponsor on board, and I'm still in the talks with a couple other sponsors, but I want to name names because if they fall through, then I don't want to call them out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, the tour is is going to be called the Mez West Coast Tour or something along those lines. There is a Mez Tour on the East Coast that everyone's familiar with. Are, Are the two of you... Uh, connected in any way, or how does that work? Um, We are not associated whatsoever with them. Um, They have their own thing. I'm actually working directly with Kaz uh, from Japan. So everything I do is directly from Japan. Okay. Well, it sounds great. Um, I mean, it's been at least four or five years, it seems, since there was a, a serious men's tour on the West Coast. I'll take the Pet Shower Tour. Do you remember the Pet Shower Tour? I do. Um, yeah. Steve and Carissa. Yeah, exactly. They they did a they had a, they had a really good tour going. It's just that I think with them being located in the Oregon area, it's just so expensive for them to come down. They, it's just and probably Pet Shower wasn't giving the the sponsorship credit that they needed to to continue. Well, I wish you all the luck. Um, I'm excited about 
what you guys are working on. I can't wait to see you guys out here in Phoenix. Um, please keep us up to speed on what you've got going on out there. All right. Absolutely. Good luck in China, and, and I'll keep my fingers crossed that Mark doesn't make you guys work out with the, the Navy SEALs this week. <laughs> Thank you. I'll need it. <laughs> All right, Oscar. Thanks for your time. We'll talk to you later. Absolutely. My pleasure, Mike. All right. That's it, everybody. We will talk to you again next week. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Go Play Pool app featured room of the week right here on American Billiard Radio. Today, I am lucky enough to get to talk to a winner of multiple U.S. Open Championships and one of the legends of the game, and also the owner of Hall of Fame Billiards in Brooklyn, New York, Ms. Jean DeLucas. How are you, Jean? Hi. It's good to talk to you. <laughs> okay, here I am, believe it or not. I'm All still right. around. <laughs> uh, so uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about the history of Hall of Fame Billiards and let everybody know about the room. Okay. Well, my father started uh, Hall of Fame Billiards slash Bay Ridge Billiards slash Ovington Billiards. We have a lot of different <laughs> names uh, that we go by. Um, he started it approximately 50 years ago, so we're in our 50th year of operation, uh, which is, I think, a long time for a billiards room to be in uh, um, in business. And Definitely. We're, yeah, we not only um, have billiard tables, and uh, we also have ping pong and air hockey and some video games. Uh, so it's a it's a fun entertainment place. Right, right. Yeah, it's definitely. Uh, you don't hear about it too often. Rooms staying open. That long for sure. Yeah, and also uh, we also do not sell any alcohol at this point in time, so we are a non-alcoholic billiard room. <laughs> hey, you know, I think yeah. I think the most legendary, I think the best rooms are the ones that uh, are you know alcohol-free. Really, uh, my yeah. father always wanted to cater to uh, young people, to kids, to families, and so hopefully we can continue uh, his uh, his goal of keeping it non-alcoholic. That's great. Yeah, yeah. It's always. I think it's better that way. That way, you know, you can include everyone, and and right. it doesn't. Uh, you know, you get the rooms where it doesn't have the seedy reputation of you know booze. Exactly. And well, as you know, the that. sport yeah. has taken such a, a a turn through the years with uh, yeah. the image of the sport, which has not only hurt business, but it's also hurt the professional game also. So right. we're always trying to promote uh, good, healthy, clean fun times and um it's uh it's something that's a struggle and it's been a struggle with the sport for a very long time yeah hopefully hopefully um you know things will start to turn around because it's a timeless sport definitely and anybody can play so absolutely i I always say that uh with the sport of pool there's more gambling that goes on on a golf course than there is in a pool room (laughs) (laughs) you're probably right so hopefully someday it'll take that turn and the image will uh you know, turn around and it'll be uh, better for everybody. For sure. Yeah. So, uh, why don't do you guys have tournaments and stuff that, down there? Um, we don't have any tournaments right now. We, I did used to have a weekly tournament. Uh, we stopped doing that a couple of uh, years ago. So it's really just a recreational uh, billiard room where people come in. I had the APA league in there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've tried different things. We're we're we're, we're getting ready to uh, possibly start more tournaments and and uh, and get more involved in doing that for the players. Yeah, you mentioned you had other games and stuff like that. So. 
there's other things for people to do down there besides right uh ping pong slash table tennis is very popular so at this point in time mm-hmm. right now we have six uh tables uh in our building and it's very popular so people love to come in they play a little pool they play a little ping pong they play a little air hockey cool. so it's and they also get to look at all the pictures on the wall my my right. father was a big photographer and we still have a few of them up there with <laughs> some of the uh players from the game uh, we have Allie up there and Gerder and um you know uh, Earl Strickland and yes. Steve Miserac <laughs> and Alan Hopkins and it's a real it's a wall of uh of a lot of memories through my career in in the sport that's great that's yeah great. Yeah, you, yeah you've been uh I was I was just watching it again the the episode of uh when you were when you were a little kid and <laughs> yeah. running racks, and that right. was fun. I remember the first time my my we were watching like the game show network and it came on. And I was watching it with my grandma. I was like, wow! And I never picked up a pool cue at that point. I was yeah. like, man. So, right. Yeah, well, somebody awesome. posted that on uh, YouTube. The I've got a secret. And uh-huh. I was six years old, and my sister was approximately four and a half years old. And my friend Allie, uh, Allison Fisher, called me up and said, Jean, do you know you're on YouTube? And I'm like, for what? And she says, well, I've got a secret. I said, you're kidding me. So <laughs> so now my friends tell me that any time they need a good laugh, they go to YouTube and they watch that YouTube segment from I've Got a Secret, and they have a good laugh because they just love that that Brooklyn accent. But right? I, say, I know. Very adorable. I will say, though, that my sister Laura stole the show. <laughs> but it is pretty funny. It's, uh, it's fun looking back and, and yeah. having great memories like that. Lots of history, huh? Oh yeah. Mhm. Mm-hmm. That's great. So uh anything else you want to add about the room? Any any uh Uh just that we're on? you know, we're in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn and um we are uh we have approximately close to forty pool tables and like I said seven ping pong tables, so come on over, come see us. I pop in and out of the room. I'm I'm not there any particular night, but yeah. I'm uh, I'm always popping in and out and uh, if you catch me there and uh Maybe I'll, I'll I'll show you a trick shot or two. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yes, we're we're gonna make a trip back east sometime. So definitely, your room is is one of the one of the rooms that we'll hit up for sure. Great. It would be a pleasure. All right, Jean. Well, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. I know you're busy, so right. I'll let you get back to what you're doing. And uh, everyone, keep shooting. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put up a limited profile of your room and stuff like that, and then people can find you on the app. You're already on there, of course. So. Uh, for everybody listening, please download the app. It's free, and there's lots of good stuff on there. We just put uh, we just put over 300 videos and 100 illustrated drills and stuff like that on there. So Terrific. there's a lot That's of great, great. information. And Maybe I, I'll be able to learn a thing or two also. <laughs> right? I know. I, yeah, Ramin. Ramin's been uh, putting all the pages together. He's like, I've learned so much doing great. putting all this together. So yeah, there's a lot of great information. So That's yeah, download terrific. the app. It's free. And, uh, yeah, hopefully I will uh, talk to you again soon, Jean. And thank you again for joining us. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. Take care. Thanks, everyone. All right. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the Go Play Pool app featured room of the week right here on American Billiards Radio. Join us next time.
Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. This is the Legends and Champions Report with myself, Mark Cantrell, brought to you by Hills Garage Cabinets of Mesa, Arizona. And this week I'm going to continue with series in where we've been talking to each of the potential Moscone Cup candidates. And this week they're on a special project. So it wasn't that easy to get a hold of anybody. And so what I've done is I've got the next best thing. I've got my old friend, co-captain of Team USA, Dr. Don Wardell, also known as Willie Betmore. How are you doing, Don? Uh, absolutely fabulous, Mark. How's things in San Diego? Uh, overcast, not as warm as it's supposed to be, and we're hoping for better very soon. But I think it's supposed to be nice the rest of the weekend, so things will be better. Awesome. Well, I'm going to ask you a couple of the questions I've been asking some of the candidates, although you're not a candidate, just to get a little bit of your input, and hopefully you can tell us a little bit about what you're doing this weekend. Um, how do you feel about uh, Mark Wilson's task ahead? It's not an easy one, is it? Uh, well, obviously not from our performance the last seven or eight years. So, yeah, uh, I think uh, he sees there needs to be a, fundamental change perhaps in the way that we do things if we're going to have any hope to be competitive yeah so it, it's a tough road to hoe for sure mark yeah i uh i i've said it and i, and I know i'm going to sound like a broken record i would not I, I think the hard part is uh i am a nice guy and i think mark's a nice guy i'm not too sure about you you're probably a little bit meaner than the rest of them but <laughs> When you get down to that point where you build a relationship with hopefuls, and then you have to chop three of them out, I, yeah, that's it, the part. I, I mean, I whether you, yeah, there's two things there, Mark. You know, people always say, "Oh, well, that Mark Wilson, he's a such a nice guy. Boy, is he going to be able to do anything like this?" Mark is a very nice man. It, it would be hard to find anybody in the pool world that had very much bad to say about him because he always behaves really to the highest standard. But uh, when it comes to pool, he is so obsessed and consumed with pool. I mean, since he was uh, 18 years old, the last 40 years, he does nothing but pool. He thinks about pool. He cares about pool, and he cares about the sport. And because this whole Moscone Cup effort this year is, is more than about just the cup, it's about trying to improve a lot of the American player, to improve the talent of the American player, to kind of send the game in a different direction. He is so committed to that. You know, it would hurt very badly if he would have to dismiss somebody from the team. It would still be something he would do in a heartbeat because it has to be done. Right. And uh, I, I would also think that, you know, it is his hope that if we, uh, if we uh, are able to uh, obtain funding and if we train and if the players all get on board, that we would like to take the entire team to Blackpool, even though only five will play. We would like it to be enough of a team effort that everybody's helping everybody train and that uh, we would take everybody at least just to be there for uh, the moral support. So that, that's one of the many, many goals that we have, and who knows how many of them we will ever succeed in because it's this sort of thing. This is the first year of what could be a longer-term project for American Pool, and it, it may not happen just right away. So all the ideas may take a little while to implement. So we will see. Well, you know, it's a trial and error, you know, and it's something that's never been done before. Uh, 
Well, you know, I mean, look at the Wright brothers. I mean, I'm sure they did just hop in uh, a makeshift plan and it just flew on its own, right? No, yeah, there are successes and failures, so we'll we'll have at it and do the best we can. What's your uh, what's your thoughts on you know the the neg- there's positive, there's lots of positive, and there's some negative uh, that I said before. Mark's going to look like a hero or uh, zero, so to speak. <laughs> Well, you know, he's prepared. He is prepared for that. But let me just tell you this: that um, uh, it's not about him. He'll be the first one to tell on him, and he did on you know his billiards radio segment. It isn't about him. It's about the players, and it's about him improving the sport and uh, try to introduce some new standards of professionalism and uh, excellence into the sport that you know, would be something that could attract sponsors from outside the pool industry and could excite the, the American public maybe a little bit more. But, but to do that, you need a core of players uh, that are excellent in every way, on the table, off the table. Uh, you know, you need a product to sell. And, uh, you know, right now, American Pool doesn't really have that kind of product, and, but it is something that could be developed. So that's what we're, we're hopeful. Right. And, 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 you know, that's I get it, and I think a lot of people get it. Uh, and it's all fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, do these guys have what it takes, the experience? This is I, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm not uh-huh. judging. Well, uh, it's it would be, uh, let's put it this way. The Euro players are very good. Many of them have, uh, have training funds from their government, from larger sponsors. They have organized tours to play. They have the opportunity to train with each other during the year. These are all advantages that we don't have. So uh, to beat people like that is going to require some kind of special effort and sacrifice from the players. And so that's what we're hoping. Uh, it's not so much that we're choosing players that right now are ready to do it, but perhaps with training and dedication and a little new way of approaching things, perhaps they could get that way. And uh, besides, I mean, it is short race nine ball, and even now they they could do well. But, uh, Mark, if you asked 100 people on the street who's the favorite this year in Blackpool, what do you think you're going to hear? How many are going to say, oh, yeah, the, the Americans are going to do it this year? Not very many. You know, we're definitely the underdogs, so we have to approach it from that standpoint. Right. Well, I, you see, I don't, I, I maybe it's not my place. I've, my half-ass knowledge is I, I think that the team is good enough with, like you say, short race night ball. I think anybody on the team, I think they're good enough on any given day to all, anybody can mm-hmm. beat anybody. Right. It's, not, it's not the playing ability that, that concerns some people, and maybe a little bit myself, it's the experience under those kind of conditions. Nobody <laughs> nobody yeah. experiences that. Shane has, yeah. uh, John has, uh, Corey has, Corey. Brandon mm-hmm. has, but yeah. depending on the Oscar, team, some of the other guys yeah. have them. Yeah, Oscar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's very true. That's very true, but uh, there are ways to train for that as well, and we will try to implement uh, those things as well. Yeah. Well, you're a yeah. doctor. Don't you know any psychiatrists that can come and get in the head? Uh, 
are you asking this for personal reasons, or do you mean in regard to the Moscone Cup? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, well, no, sport, yeah, sports psychology, uh, that's a whole different issue. You know, can sports psychology make you better, or can it just make you get closer to your potential, or keep you from fouling yourself up? All related questions, but no, as far as training for hostile atmosphere, uh, we, uh, you know, our plan is to train uh, probably, uh, hopefully, a good solid week right before we go to Blackpool, and hopefully that training will include loud noise, hostile fans, air horns, uh, belligerence, all sorts of unfriendly circumstances. Lots of uh, scotch doubles, that sort of thing. We'll even be starting the scotch double stuff this week, and you know, learning how to maximize the the uh, performance during that because you know to play high performance pool requires you know incredible focus and dedication these you know players both the euros and the americans are used to playing singles and then when you start playing doubles now so they have a shot and you have opponents or you have a you have a, a partner that may or may not be talking to you or putting the chalk somewhere you don't like it or you know just various things that may distract your focus and even just slightly Distracting your focus uh, might make, you know, elite level of pool difficult. Uh, we see it even in the Euros, you know, under the lights, uh, live television, under the pressure, it's the hardest thing there is. John, oh, yeah. the, the, there's so many facets to yeah. the whole thing. It's not just letting yourself down. Maybe it's letting your country down. Maybe it's letting right. your fans down. Maybe you've That's got right. a point to make to prove a point to naysayers. Um, mm-hmm. right. And well, the whole thing is a whirlwind. Right. Mark, if you can build a good team where they're not at least worried about letting down their teammates, because it is cool, and everybody misses, and everybody is doing their best. And if you, you know, if you build a team that at least that part of it will not be a problem for this team, I don't believe that. They're not, not going to be worried about letting down their teammates because everybody's going to be doing the best they can to uh, to help the team, and everybody's going to understand that going in. So I, at least that part of it will be better. But you're right, the pressure of the lights and the you know personal performance, that's always there. But it's there for the Euros, too, and they'll be the favorites, and hopefully there will be some pressure on them as well. Well, that, that's, that's been by uh, a couple of the uh, candidates that I've interviewed over the past few weeks that – Europe are the, uh, sorry, USA are the underdogs. This is the yeah. Europeans are supposed to win. And right. uh, as you and I both know, whenever you get put in a position where you're supposed to win, <laughs> you've got nothing to gain. Right. You just get everything yeah. to lose. And so yeah. maybe that can play a, a, a little bit in their head uh, as well. So are, are, you, are you going to interview any of the Euros on American Billions Radio this year? Um, we don't have, you know, we, we don't have any plans to right now. Um, uh-huh. What we want to do is make sure at this point that Team USA is getting some exposure and uh-huh. some of the pool fans out there are getting a chance to uh, learn a little bit about some of these players. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people don't know much about Brandon Schoff or Justin Bergman or Hall right. or Oscar. Just give them a chance at a little forum to you know, let people see who they are, where they came from kind of thing, Good. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to say that we, we're we not interested in talking to any of the Europeans. Mm-hmm. So we'll, uh, well, we'll see how that goes. hearing what they say. Maybe we'll get some inside information we can use, Mark. Maybe, <laughs> you, should get, maybe you should get out there and... Yeah. You, you're trying to recruit me as some kind of spy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, tell tell us a little bit about what you're doing this weekend. I know you guys have had a busy day. You all you guys just arrived in mm-hmm. San Diego. Um, well, this was yeah, it was put together uh, a little shorter notice. I mean, we've had the idea for a long time to do it, but it requires funding. And through the you know very gracious efforts of Matchroom Sports and Barry Hearn and Luke Riches, uh, we have enough funds to do this. And this is our very first you know uh, uh, verse uh, team building effort. And uh, so uh, we need to orient the team first of all as to what's going to be going on uh, during the year, our tentative plans for the year. A lot of it depends on funding, but um, these are the things we'd like to do go over what the mission of the team is, the principles of the team, why they they were actually selected. Because though you've interviewed them on the radio, uh, a lot of them are probably still not 100% sure exactly why they were chosen. And so that's where we, we explain all this. Um, then uh, tomorrow, Friday, we'll be visiting the Navy SEAL Training Center here in San Diego. And this isn't uh, – uh, Joey A. from uh, Louisiana was saying, hey, they're telling us that this is some kind of patriotic something. It it really doesn't have anything to do with patriotism. It's uh, our attempt to uh, expose the American players to the work ethic of the Navy SEALs. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but uh, they're our nation's elite uh, fighting men. They undergo the most rigorous training in the history of mankind, uh, and it it is their lifestyle. And it's the uh, and it's the uh, hard work. It is the discipline, the dedication, the relentlessly positive attitude, the can-do attitude. Nothing gets in their way. It's the ability to fight against overwhelming odds because they operate in small teams against overwhelming odds, and they train for victory. They will train harder than they did yesterday, harder than they thought they could harder than their opponents will, and when they win, it will not be luck. And if we had a team of five guys that trained like that between now and December, that would be a tough team to beat. So that will be the, that's the whole Navy SEAL thing is let's get these guys exposed to people that are supremely dedicated to their craft, that demand excellence on the field, excellence on the street, excellence everywhere. It's all about developing excellence. Do you guys and, have uh, something it, planned with the Navy SEALs or some of the oh Navy yeah, SEALs? Oh yeah. yeah, we have. We're visiting their train. Well, see, the it didn't come together till just recently. It was through the uh, one of Mark's friends. His name is uh, Lieutenant Commander Amir Pishdad. He is a legendary Navy SEAL. He's retired now. He is a friend of Mark's, and uh, he made this happen for us because this this what we're going to do is not open to the general public or really anybody else. And. You, it's really difficult to arrange, but uh, we're going to get lectures from various people on the base and observe the training and talk to the recruits and find out exactly how dedicated these men are, because these men are dedicated. And if we can get some dedicated pool players, there's nobody that we cannot beat, for sure. So, yeah. I've had yeah, a, little, a, a little experience with the Navy SEALs myself. Oh, and a couple of, Yeah, a couple of... Uh, projects they're they're bad they're bad men (laughs) well you know and the the thing is you you would you probably would never know that they can probably disarm you and kill you in a couple of seconds without anybody knowing about it to talk to them because they're just the nicest solid kind of guys that uh that you'd ever want to meet 
That's right. No excuses, and they're very competent and confident, and uh, they don't have to brag about it because they, they live it every day. So that, that's the kind of thing that we want to do. And so, that, uh, so we're that's trying on, to that's close on Friday. Well, that's tomorrow. Then following that, we're going to visit the uh, United States Olympic Training Facility and Is see this on how Saturday? The No, that's still on Friday. We're going to so, do that also tomorrow. Oh, wow. Okay. Then on uh, uh, Friday, we're go- or uh, then on Saturday. I'm sorry. On Saturday, and we encourage all the listeners and any of the lead players or anybody wants to see. We're going to have a uh, clinic at On Cue Billiards in San Diego. Start from one o'clock to four o'clock, and anybody can come out. It is for charity, and we encourage donations, but there's not any charge for this, but we do encourage them to donate to the Paralyzed Veterans Foundation, Um, and it'll be a clinic. And and it's another thing. In pool, even if you become excellent on the table, there's still more to making a living at pool than just playing or winning money or, or scamming somebody out of some money. There are... If you're going to be a professional pool player, not only do you have to have excellence on the table, but you should be able to do trick shots, give an exhibition, uh, give lessons, and you should uh, behave in a manner that encourages sponsors to want to sponsor you. You have to give the sponsors back some value, and we want the players to see all this, that there's more to pool than even just playing. There's also giving back to the community. So on Sunday, we'll be doing uh, charity visits to a nursing home and then doing a charity challenge, the pro event in the afternoon. Again, so Sunday afternoon on Q Billiards uh, at, uh, I'm sorry, Mark, I don't have the exact time on that. I think it's, I think it's uh, also one to four on Sunday. We're going to be doing challenge the pros where they can kick in some money for the paralyzed veterans and win it. we have some real nice T-shirts that they can win if they beat the pro. Uh, Saturday night at On Cue Billiards will be the Moscone Cup style match. We're uncertain of the format yet because we don't know what the San Diego team will be. <clears throat> but we're going to try to emphasize the Scotch doubles aspect of it, the shot clock, uh, the break rules, uh, try to use all the Moscone Cup rules that we are aware of, though I know they tinker with the rules each year. But excuse me one second. I have to cough, and I don't have a cough button here for you. So. <laughs> So, uh, so that's basically it. On uh, Saturday, it'll be the uh, uh, clinic in the afternoon, instructional clinic, and then in the evening, the Moscone Cup style match at eight o'clock. And then Sunday, it'll be uh, challenge matches in the afternoon for charity. And again, all of this is for charity. It's a it's a way to, to give back to the community and encourage people to uh, to uh, uh, to do something more. And it, you know. We try to get the media involved, and, you know, it's good exposure for the sport. It's good exposure for the players. It's good for the community. The uh, pool rooms that are being involved in this will feel good about what they're doing, and it's, you know, it's a good thing for the sport. Right. It's, uh, it's, de- it's definitely different to things that have really been done. It. Oh, uh, I think there's a couple of pros. Uh, your, your good friend, Janet Lee, I think she spends time with the military doing things with the, yeah, yes, the U.S. Yes, she does a military tour almost every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's and very so, rewarding, even though it's tough work. And uh, so that's, okay, you don't know who the team is going to be for on, on cue? I do not. I think Louis Ulrich is the only name I've heard mentioned so far. Uh, Jeff Beckley was going to come out and play, but he couldn't make it at the last minute, so I'm not quite sure who else will be playing for San Diego. And, and we will take on all comers. Well, that's Saturday night. 
right? That's Saturday night at 8, 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. And uh, what are you doing on Sunday? Then Sunday will be uh, in the morning, uh, hopefully a nursing home, VA hospital visit, where we're just going to go and, you know, do, you know, just do little exhibitions for the veterans or the people that are hospitalized there. And then in the afternoon is the challenge, the pro stuff at on Billiards. Uh, we'll do challenge matches all afternoon, and people can win a T-shirt and that sort of thing. Again, uh, proceeds to charity, all a charitable event. Right. So nobody's making any money on this deal, right? Uh, no, but here's the thing. Um, too often in pool, I mean, you, uh, I, Mark probably didn't, I can't recall if Mark mentioned it in his radio interview, but since he was named the captain and since, you know, people have seen that this is going to be a little bit of a younger team, something to build for the future, uh, and something that emphasizes sportsmanship as well as excellence, the uh, the feedback we've gotten from the pool community and the pool industry has been remarkable. People are calling and say, "Oh no, we'd like to donate this or donate that, or you know, five, or, you know, five hundred here, or a thousand here, or, uh, you know, small donations uh, are, are just like the offers just pour in." And Mark tells all these people, "No, we'd rather have your goodwill than your money, because to really change American sport requires that it be a self-sufficient sort of thing, something that generates its own income, its own interest." You can't just keep taking handouts from people. That's the way pool has always operated. And, you know, the the, the pool cue makers and cloth makers, they just get nickeled and dined. And whereas what we want to do is let's develop a product that is marketable, you know, like they did with Snooker in the 70s. You take, you take a fairly rough game, but you make it more respectable. You make it a game of honor, a game where the fans can trust that the result is not rigged and that it's, you know, it's honest. And you deliver a product like that with total excellence of players, and then you attract sponsors from outside the industry. And that's how the whole boat floats. That's how, you know, that's that's what this effort is all about. It's something that Matchroom Sports could get behind. They did it with Snooker. They know how this thing works. Well, they know exactly how to do it. Yeah, and, it, and it's not criticizing the gambling culture. Oh, hold on one second. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got to... You get out of Indianapolis and you, you're a mess. <laughs> yeah, anyway. But, and it's not criticizing the gambling culture that exists here, but it's just that's what we've had since the tours folded in the mid-'90s. And what do we have? You know, what kind of outside sponsors do we really have in pool and... You know, how much money do our best players make and that sort of thing. So what we really need is a core. If you can get, like, 16 guys like Shane Van Boning or, you know, guys that are really committed to the game and committed to training and committed to excellence and behave as professionals, then you would have a product that could attract that kind of money. I mean, we've had discussions with uh, people like ESPN and uh, people outside the billiards industry, huge corporations, and they all say, you know, it's a similar thing. It's, well... If you've got a you know a real reputable sport and you've got that demographic in the audience, you know a twenty to forty year old demographic, if you can attract those kind of people to your broadcast, hey, it's all good then. But we don't have that at this point. But it is something that could be developed, and uh, so that's that's kind of the push this year. Right. Well, I tell you, I, I wish you guys the best of luck. Um, well, I, I think it, you'll. Have to be a lot of luck involved, Mark. <laughs> it's a big task, so we'll do oh, the best we can and see what happens. 
Well, you, know, you you try you. I, I I know what you're trying to do. I know what Mark's mm-hmm. trying to do. I I see the vision, um, and I, I believe that if anybody can do it, you guys are the guys who can make a difference. And I know there's a lot of people on the outside that are having or helping you. There's uh, Doug uh, Gordon there in uh, yeah. in the in the UK who's. Uh, Surprisingly enough, and I've had a number of conversations with him, and yeah. I don't know why he's so behind Team USA since <laughs> he's in Europe, but he seems that like is. all he wants to do is help. You'll have to ask him, but you know, Doug is, uh, is uh, his big idea was the Pool Awareness Week, which, you know, the, our team is going to be totally behind this. You know, it's a real great thing for the sport, it's a no cost thing to everybody, and I hope everybody will study up on it and get involved in it and support Doug in this uh, Pool Awareness Week in um, November this year. And uh, it's another thing, it's a selfless thing that he's doing for the good of Pool, and uh, uh, that's you know, that's really what it's about. Like, you know, Mark always says, this is, it isn't about him. Uh, the person, now he's, you know, he's making huge sacrifices this year uh, to try to put this whole thing together. But the real sacrifices this year will come from the players. Because to do this is going to require a fundamental change in the way that they've always, always operated. And no criticism to them because, you know, pool has always been a, um, a field where you know, uh, the player they eat their young, you know, and there's a uh, tremendous lack of really good role models, and it's all about money and who you can be, and rather than the excellence and the beauty of the sport, and uh, you know, because there hasn't there hasn't been a tournament trail where they could aspire to and things like that. So no criticism involved, but it is something that we'd like to build if we could, and uh, and you know, with the help of Matchroom Sports and PartyPoker.net. Uh, it is something that could happen. They did it for snooker. There's no reason they couldn't do it for pool too. If uh, you know the market in our country is even you know far larger than the market in Europe and uh, Great Britain, so we would hope that you know it, it could happen. But uh, it hasn't so far, and you know not criticized. It just I think it requires something different than has been done. And not to say this would work either. And if it doesn't work, well, at least people know. Try something different next year. But, well, change, change is never change is never easy, Don. Is it? You know, for not, when you not, not at all this year. <laughs> well, no, not at all. I, you, you can say that about anything, though. You don't have to just be uh, pool. Anything. If you've grown up, if all of a sudden we all had to stay in America, every, knives and forks were no longer available to us, and we had to stay in with chopsticks. It won't be easy. It won't be an easy change. I know that's probably a bad analogy, <laughs> but yeah. whenever you've got to change from something you've always known and right. um, and, and go to a different model, you don't yeah. maybe you it's don't easier. trust the model. You know, there's right. a lot of factors now. Well, it's a couple of reasons. The first reason is yeah, it's easier to stay in a bad situation than to get up and do something about it. It's easy to come up with a good idea, but when the rubber meets the road, you have to get out there and just start doing it and organizing it. It's it's so much work, you can't believe. I, I know there's a lot of criticism of me even being involved, which probably rightfully so, you know, what am I? But this is not something Mark can do by himself. I mean, his, his wife, myself, and he has volunteers in St. Louis, and Doug Gordon, you've already mentioned, and you yourself have been involved in trying to, to help out. And, I mean, the, just the number of man hours that have been spent 
just now, and we're not we're going to have our first meeting here in about a couple of hours, first team meeting ever, and the amount of man hours spent already have numbered in the thousands already, just to try to get some things that would be good for the pool community. So, right. Uh, it is a big sacrifice on Mark's part, and even more on these players' part, because the players that are going to end up playing in December are going to be the ones that are really committed to it, that really want to become excellent. I mean, they, you know, they really want to hit it hard. So, hopefully, uh, we can see we can see the results in December, and yeah, I'm hoping that it'll uh, be favorable in our uh, in every way. We'll see. Well, again, I think it's. Uh... <laughs> I think it's a great thing that you guys are doing, and uh, I think you've got um, a lot more support than maybe, you know, sometimes you can read the AZ billions and you can hear gossip from one person or another, right. and it's really yeah. easy to it's listen and, and all you, uh, to hear the negative more than you hear yeah. the positive sometimes, uh, but yeah. I think there's a lot of positive out there as well, and, uh, and even the negatives, I don't really think that they're negatives, I think they're He's just again moving away from a comfort zone and going to something right, and, right. A, and a change. Uh, yeah. And I, I know these guys can all play, and yeah. I think that they they can do well. But it's not a matter yeah. of the playing ability at this point, uh, as much as the character of the of the person. From what? I'm well, and, and let's say you know, Mark would never has never ever in any way, shape, or form trying to criticize the previous players. It's just that. Uh, the kind of thing that he envisions for this is going to have to be done by younger people because it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to happen over a year, you know, to catch up to, to where the Euros are in their training is going to require quite a bit of work. Not to right. say it could even happen by December, but in, you know, within a year or two, it could easily happen. Uh, so we just have to start working towards that. And, you know, it, the, you know, the previous teams have older players and, and you know, where will they be in five or ten years? You know, when we, we're hopeful that you know all this will bear fruit. So, it's right. just yeah. So no criticism intended, but uh, but we totally understand all the criticism. No question. Uh, right. I will clarify uh, for the criticism of, of me personally. Not that I really, you know, I'm never really affected by it very much. But uh, I'm not. It's not like I'm riding any gravy train. My salary this year is zero dollars for the year. But I'm hoping if I do a, a really good job, he'll double it. So, well, you know, just to clarify. You know, well, I can understand why you would why people would say that you probably don't deserve as much as you can at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and you think I'm grossly overpaid, don't you, Mark? I <laughs> okay. No, I, I, okay. no, it's, it's great for you to um, donate your time, your passion, and your effort to this. And if, if anything, it's costing you money. To do it, I, I know it's going to cost yeah. you money. With this oh, yeah. trip here, yeah, I mean, I'm, I know that you're one of those guys that uh, Marcus said it himself. You kind of you've got a lot of humility to you uh, when it's not necessarily deserved, but you <laughs> you you, you kind of give yourself the shot end of the stick a lot of times. But I know mm-hmm. I know what you're doing, and I know it's not uh, an easy task for anybody I don't know you're doing a lot of work so I think everybody who's on the side of Team USA appreciates what you are doing what Mark's doing and what the players are doing you know they're mm-hmm. doing a lot, a lot of uh, yeah. these cases very much about the players yeah. I, I, as you know I've, I've done this kind of thing before and mm-hmm. 
I know what it takes. I know what you have to go through. And with all these players in one place at one time, mm-hmm. the organization, and on top of that, you're not just doing a clinic in the afternoon and a, uh, the next day doing an exhibition like we would do, but we're still slam busy, still hectic, and it's, it's still hard to get from one place to the next and fulfill yeah. all the obligations that you have. So you guys right. have, uh, are, are going to be nonstop this weekend. And yeah. so... Um, uh, with that, I'm going to let you go. And, again, I appreciate you, and uh, hopefully everything uh, works out this weekend. And, uh, well, you're very welcome, and thanks for all that you do for Pool 2. It's a really good uh, – we really enjoy the – we look forward to the Billiards Radio broadcast and hearing all that. Wonder well, what Mark Cantrell will say next. That, that's always fun. <laughs> I don't know where you're going next. It'll be good. I know that. You know, I, 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 well, the truth is, you got to get licked up before you start. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll let you go. Thank you very much, John. Have a great time you're this welcome, weekend. Uh, make the, make the best of it. We will do it. Goodbye. All right, bye. Well, that will be it for American Billiard Radio for this week. Uh, if everybody who's in the San Diego area, if you have a chance, go down, support Team USA, support their cause, and, and support the charities that they're, they're trying to work towards. It'd be nice if uh, Team USA could raise a little money for some of the veterans. And uh, that's about it. I appreciate everybody listening. I appreciate Don Wardell uh, giving us a, a little bit of insight to what's going on this weekend. And... Until next weekend, this is Mark Kentrell, American Bullies Radio, the Legends and Champions Report, brought to you by Neil's Garage Cabinets of Mesa, Arizona. Take care, guys. <laughs>